0: Get Advisor Fit with Olivia Looper, a series of interviews with financial consultants and industry experts helping financial advisors strategize, market, and grow their business using core fitness values and analogies. Do something today that your future self will thank you for with Get Advisor Fit. Here's your host, Olivia Looper.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to Get Advisor Fit, where we encourage you to lift heavy, invest often, and market your ass off. Today, I am calling all financial advisors, specifically female financial advisors. How would you like to boost your income, shorten your work hours, and overall improve your work-life balance? Um, I may not be a financial advisor, but assign me up, please, because this is exactly what my next guest, Brittany Young, does in her coaching service. Brittany is a woman of fierce drive and unstoppable ambition, having made a name for herself in the world of high-stakes pharmaceutical sales over a 15-year period. Brittany now brings her experiences and lessons to mentor other women in the financial field, operating as an executive coach and sales mentor, specifically for female financial advisors. She empowers them to build wealth, not just financially, but across all aspects of their life. Using her proprietary methodology known as the permission process. Her coaching has brought significant transformation in her clients' lives. Wait till you hear some of these stories, enabling them to boost their income, shorten their work hours, and improve their work-life balance. With Brittany's help, her clients have navigated company cultures that undervalued women and landed jobs with increased salaries and more flexible schedules. They've gone from modest 20K cash months to whopping 100K cash months within a year and achieve substantial earnings while working fewer hours per week. Um, I don't know anybody who wouldn't want that. Beyond the border, and Brittany is a dedicated wife to her husband, Tim, and a loving mother to her daughter, Avery. When she's not breaking glass ceilings or rewriting the rules of success, she enjoys spending time with her family, lifting weights at the gym, or sharing a hearty laugh at the dog park with her dogs, Maisie and Louie. In our discussion today, Brittany is going to share her insights and wisdom on making more money using permission based sales and how you can apply them in your professional journey. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: Join me in welcoming our guest, Brittany Young. Brittany, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Olivia. I'm really excited to chat with you today. And I want to meet that lady that you just talked about.
1: Uh, Yeah, she sounds pretty badass. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That wasn't even the whole bio. I mean, girl, you some of those numbers about when you were working the pharmaceutical business and bringing your... Oh, what was it? It was like bringing your... um. The section that you worked for, from I don't what I forget what it said, but some impressive stuff. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about your story, how you began working with financial advisors.
0: Sure. Well, I began my company in 2017, and you know, you and I share the fitness piece in common. I started out as a fitness instructor after leaving corporate. And I had a full book of business within a month and I was trading time for dollar and realized that wasn't exactly where I wanted to be or, you know, the people I was serving in that industry of who I wanted to further my career with. And so I got really quiet and decided, okay, what's the next route? Where are we going with this business? Who are we going to serve? And it took a couple years to land on the financial industry, especially having never worked in the industry a day in my life. Um, it was just something that fell into my lap, as these things always do. And I recognized a big gap within the industry, especially for women, where you know only 20, 20% um, of advisors are women and that hasn't grown in the last decade and a half. Wow, And at firms, there's only twelve percent of women that make up financial teams. Okay. So not only was that a huge gap that I saw, but when I started working with women, I realized that they were having trouble selling. They had all the beautiful skills of building relationships, understanding you know the basics. Of how to build a relationship, how to sell their services, but something was missing. And it really was about permission and giving oneself permission to fully step into a sale without having to do it the old man way, as I like to say, or, you know, the bro culture that we're often seeing within corporate America. So because of this gap, and having worked already in this gap in the pharmaceutical industry i figured why not bring it into an industry that's almost dying for women to step fully into their power when it comes to finance
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense you know it's ironic because i feel that my perception of things have has always been a little bit skewed because my first clients in my business were Women, mm. and there was a lot of you know chatter in the space, and this was like 2018 about you know how that when women are underrepresented and uh, you know bro culture and finance and all of this stuff, and I didn't really see it right away because I was working predominantly with women, and then you know as time went on and I was working more, um, spending more time in the industry, I was like, wow, they're right. There's still such a small percentage, um, of women. So 12% is less, even less than I thought. So that's actually really surprising. It's a huge gap. Um, so why do you think
0: women have trouble selling? I think there's a couple of reasons. The first reason is in that 12%, um, that's client facing. So in the 20%, um, you know, you can do the math, but that's only the client facing women. So they're okay. those that are out there selling. And I think, you know, the number one reason is the lack of worthiness, feeling very unworthy, unsure of oneself, not feeling good enough to sell one's services and to fully step into belief of not only themselves, but what they are selling. You know, Can I really get behind annuities? Can I really get behind uh, the stock market and investments and being able to share my expertise with my prospects and then clients? Number two, they don't have a sales process. And right. The sales process that they're currently using within the industry is ineffective. It's outdated. It's, you know, one that was created in 1970s by Bob, who was sitting behind his desk with cigars, joking around with a bunch of old white guys saying, oh, let's put this together and, you know, sell sell it like this. And we won't ever have women in this industry. So this is the way it's going to go. And, you know, women didn't have bank accounts until the 1970s by themselves. And so that was the way of doing things within the industry. And then the third thing of, you know, why there's that struggle of selling is logic. Very used to here's the numbers, here's the process, here's the sale. So the lack of emotion is what we're missing when it comes to permission-based sales. And you know, as well as I do, that sales are emotional. Money is emotional. These people are selling products and services that are very emotional for us, the consumer, and those that are putting our trust into someone else's hands. And so if you're lacking that emotional intelligence and that that emotional component to selling you lose out on tens of thousands of dollars, in my opinion. And I've seen it time and time again, where, you know, I'll even get on a call, a sales call with an advisor. I had this happen to me a couple of weeks ago and instead of building a rapport in the beginning, getting to know one another, it was, what do you got for me? And I immediately went into, you know, in my head, this is not going to go into it. this is not a sale this is a logical person who is coming into this going it's either yes or no for my logic brain and not making a decision based on what i'm feeling and that was an advisor who was
1: coming to you for services or some an advisor that you were helping to sell their service
0: they were coming to me to work with me one to one in hopes of working with me you know and um, I'm, I'm really glad that we parted ways on that call Yes, um, because it would have been a very difficult sale from my perspective. And I don't feel the need to explain on sales calls because if you're explaining what you do, how you do it, why you do it, you lose the sale.
1: What you do, how you do it. Why you what was do the it? third thing? Why you do it. It's so a few things about what you said that I find really interesting because I recently have been working to revamp um, my services. When you the first reason that you gave us for why women have trouble selling is lack of worthiness, feeling unsure, not feeling good enough. They are have a hard time stepping into belief in themselves and what they are selling. And I have actually seen this too um, with females and males. And it makes me really sad, actually, because I got to that place too. My digital marketing company kind of took a really strange marketing turn as we evolved to add more services. And suddenly, all of the marketing that I was doing was very, like, numbers and outcome based. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I started sounding like those cringy marketing um, advertisements that you get in your social media feed. That's like 10 times your business, 300% your rep- your return on investment and all of this stuff. And I was like, God, this sounds awful. Like, I don't like this. And it was because I was not having, I didn't have a strong enough belief in what I was doing and what I was selling. So I felt like I had to throw out all of these, you know, numbers and um, figures and all of that stuff. And I really started to lose sight of who I was as a business owner and the reason that I wanted to help financial advisors. And I thought, you know, I see this with advisors too specifically when they're having trouble um, getting new clients and they start throwing out like performance numbers, Mm -hmm. you know, in client meetings and stuff like that. And I'm like that. And I know that's not what they want to hear. You know what I'm saying? Like at some point in your sales process, yes, you might have something to do with that, but you know, build rapport, step into the emotional side of things because that is the way that people make decisions is based on their emotions so i totally get that 100% um and i feel that so that's also why i wanted to make part of our process to help advisors really get clear on their why you know why is it that you wanted to get into financial planning in the first place and what is it what about it is important to you um and you know bringing that to the forefront of their messaging as well as of course talking to the the ICP about their pain points and things like that. But all of that is, like you said, is very emotional. Um, So I think it's great that you are helping advisors with this because one of the other things that I run into is that, you know, for me, my job sort of as an outsourced marketing partner sort of stops where the sales process begins, right? So like, yes, they'll still get outreach that we do through email and stuff like that. But a lot of times I'll get prospects who will be like, oh, well, you know, what is your advisor's close rate? And I was like, I can't really take any <laughs> um, responsibility for that because I have no idea if you're good at selling your pro your product, you know, service. Um, do you encounter that a lot, too, where like they have really good marketing, but then it comes to, you know, like let's say they're getting a lot of leads or whatever, but they just have a really hard time closing the sale?
0: Actually, no. They suck at marketing too. Oh. You know, with these big box firms, they're putting up crappy marketing because the firm is telling them, drilling into their heads that they can't talk about themselves and they can't build that emotional connection with their audience. And it's just shit. It is. You get to give yourself permission on what you put out there and, you know... I feel like I can be really honest on this podcast. Um, oh, yeah, what I see that girl. <laughs> yeah, what I see is like, oh, I'm gonna send out postcards and emails and then you know that doesn't work. And the power of social media is right in front of you. I mean the statistics on LinkedIn, if you really want to get into the numbers, it's a market that 60% of the people on there are desiring to buy something. They get sold to very often, whether it's crappy sales or, you know, somebody sliding into their DM saying something that, that they do actually need. And there's only 2 billion people on that platform. Whereas (laughs) on Facebook, there's 70, 70 billion. Wow. That's a huge difference. LinkedIn is continuing to grow. So if you have out of, you know, I'm not going to do the math on here because I suck at it myself, but. Out of 2 million, 60% of those people are willing to buy. That's a huge chunk of men and women who are out there looking for your financial services that you are not capitalizing on with proper marketing and a sales process. Now, if you're, you know, really struggling with the marketing piece, that's one side of the business that I do like to touch on from a niche, you know, who, who are we talking to? What is that specific problem that we solve? Because that's going to show up in your sales process. If you don't know the problems that you're solving with the clients that you're working with, we start there. And then we figure out what is the gap that's going on, you know, from you talking to your specific ideal client to then the gap that's showing up in your sales process. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions that I hear, as well as see, is if I don't have marketing, I you know won't be able to land clients. When really, it's the other way around. You can have- Yes, girl, yes, I'm with you on this. Yeah, you can have minimal marketing, and you can have your company's crappy marketing all day. But if you lack a sales process, if you do not know the questions to ask, the way your body language should be, the way your, your tonality should be on a sales call, you are not going to make money. And that is why 80 to 90% of advisors fail the first year out of their job is because they're using these ineffective sales strategies and not using a new process that's actually relatable to the sophisticated buyer that's sitting across from them, either in their chair or on a Zoom call.
1: Okay, so I am just soaking all of this up because I have no formal training in sales whatsoever about how you're supposed to run a call or anything like that. I probably shouldn't be saying that in public, but you know (laughs) what? The cat is out of the bag. Most people know because I'm just very open like that. I'll just tell you anything you want to know usually. But so I have two questions and I'm going to let you decide which one you answer first, or maybe they're kind of related. That's why I'm sort of asking them together. One is what is the permission process? And two is, which is the one I really want to know, I want to know the permission process too, but something tells me that they're sort of related. You said, if you're on the call, you're not supposed to be telling them about what you do, how you do it and why you do it. So what do we tell them? And also that probably does relate to it as the permission process. No,
0: it does. So on your sales calls, it's not about you. Okay. And I think that is one of the hardest lessons to learn that you're, on a call for the client not for you okay so they get to ask the questions you're not on there to explain yourself and that's where the permission process comes in so it's a three-step process where i blend emotional strategy and business strategy together And the way I do this is the first part of the process and they're all interchangeable. They all work in tandem. Okay. But it's really taking a look at where are you emotionally right now? So where is your worthiness? Where, where is your confidence? Do you trust yourself when you're selling? Do you believe in what you're selling? Are you confident in knowing that every time you get on a call, it's a sale? Or, you know, what's the story going on? What's the emotion? What's the fear that may be stopping you from closing that deal? And I go into a lot of, you know, the root of the emotion. I'm not a therapist. I married one. We have these conversations (laughs) often. So, you know, it's a really beautiful blend. But permission is about free will. And so it's giving, it's giving that other person on the other side of the line free will to make a decision. But if you are emotionally attached to the sale yourself, they're going to feel that they're going to pick up on that. And then what happens is they don't feel as if they have free will to make that decision because it's almost like you're pressuring them into that. So the second part of the permission process is really learning how to regulate your emotions before you get onto a call, before you step into a client meeting. So you're not attaching to their emotions. They're not attaching to you. And that's really the hardest part about the process. And I use something in the background of the process called heart work, which is something I do you know, with one-to-one clients as well as in my group program. And then the third part of the permission process, what I like to call is the challenge, the creation. How do we create a sales process that gives you permission to speak in your language? Not me giving you a sales script, not me giving you the questions to ask, but you relying on you in your business because I'm not on the call with you. I'm not sitting there, you know, giving, giving you the cues of what to say, how to say it and what to do when the client's in front of you. Now this relates perfectly to, you know, being on that call. When you first step on the call, it's not that you need to fully explain every little detail of what it is that you do. The client over the years has become so sophisticated with understanding markets, investments, strategies themselves. They're all, they're all doing that uh, work before, at least I hope before they get onto a call with you as an advisor, you know, some of these people are making a switch to work with you or they're brand new. They're in their twenties. They just got their first time job and they're looking to make those investments. And you're the person they're choosing to grow with over the next 30 to 40 years. It is not your job to sit there and go into full detail of every little thing, every logical piece of we're going to start here. And by year 30, here's where we're going to be on a sales call. All of that information over the course of 30 years is important, but not on the initial Hey Olivia, how you doing? Let me tell you everything about me and now it's your turn. When we don't make our calls, our sales calls or even our introductory call about that particular client, their needs, their wants, their desires, it, you just lost you lost the sale. I mean everything yeah. comes back down to losing that sale. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, two things come to mind when I hear you tell these things. First, that I love the challenge part, the creation of sort of your own, coming up with your own sales script, because I think that the reason that people shy away from working with a sales coach or reading about how to sell is because of that, um, ending up with some sort of formula that doesn't feel right to them and then they're not going to feel confident in the call and then they're going to lose the sale because of all these reasons. So that seems like, wow, such a value add there to help people like step into their power and sort of own creating that sales process for themselves. Um, And another, so I had the weirdest, one of the weirdest sales calls I ever had I started opening up my calendar like on Saturday morning because I'm usually working anyway. So I was like, if anybody – because I really don't do late nights. I'm like, everybody wants to just hop on on a Saturday. And they did. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever, cool. So this, I get on this call with this prospect, and he's like in this really dark room because like his baby's sleeping next door. We're like, okay, get it. I got kids, like whatever. But he just kind of like gets on the call, and he's just like staring at me, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> So, um, this is really weird. I'm just gonna like, usually they come with like questions or, you know, you know, I'm like talking to him about his, his website and how cool it looks and all the great things there. And, you know, generally like it open up some conversation, some questions. So I just like started saying stuff. And then I realized that I was very much like mirroring his mood, which was mm. like very, Nah, Like yeah. I was not excited anymore about talking about <laughs> my stuff or how I could help him or talking about his stuff. It was just the strangest thing. Is this something that you, you see sometimes like when the salesperson doesn't really go in with, um, a plan and then the, they start like mirroring the person's sort of energy. And then I
0: got off the call and I was like, why did I do that? That was so weird. <laughs> I I see it so often and I, and it really does come down to that understanding of one's own emotions. So, you know, in sales psychology, if you will, if you're not aware of your own body language, your own tone, you will wind up mirroring exactly what the client is doing, their behaviors, even from their hand gestures, to they're pausing, they're staring, their awkwardness. Yes, I was make I was being awkward like him and I was like yeah. that's not me. You don't ever act like that. What are you doing? It was yeah, like it's really interesting that that showed up for you and so, you know, going back and saying, okay, what really happened here? Why did that show up for me? What was going on in my life at that time? Um taking a look at that so you can correct it on the next, but I do see it. I see it quite often, or I I see a lot of the logic coming out where it's facts and figures. And, you know, I'm going to show you all of your retirement plan right here, right now. And the person's like 26 and they're going, yeah, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) I'm 26. Like, I can't imagine 63 being retired like what are you talking about lady and yeah so it becomes this really intense uh back and forth as opposed to what i like to teach which is let's make it more of a flowy conversation because if you can learn how to flow in a conversation say you're talking to your husband if you're feeling secure in your relationship but if you're having that flow in your relationship and that conversation is really nice it back and forth, you're getting what you need, he's receiving what he needs. It's, you know, ebb and flow. That is what we like to see in your sales calls. And so often I will find out that, you know, the nooks and crannies of what's going on in the person's relationship, in their marriage or or their, you know, um, man friend, lady friend. I don't like to use boy and girlfriend anymore, but I know what's going on in that relationship because that is mirroring what's going on in your business. Really? Yeah. That's terrifying. It is it, is it?
1: <laughs> I mean, it sort of is. I mean, that makes me think like, oh no. So, like, if if things are like going off the rock or somewhere else, it's gonna show up in my
0: business. That's scary. Yeah, well, how we do one thing is how we do all things. And so, if you know your marketing is dry and people see it and they're like, oh, then maybe you're not having enough sex, maybe you're not going on enough vacations, maybe you're being, you know, really unfair to yourself or your children at at that point in time, something's going on with you and it's showing up as a reflection in your business.
1: It's so funny that you say that because there have been times where I look back and I'm like, wow, in these months or whatever, my marketing was on fire. Like I was like killing it. And I'm like, what was I doing different? You know, like I try to think back to like, what was different then? Like, why did I feel so confident in what I was doing? And I always try to look to things that are business related But, you know, maybe I was looking in the wrong place. I really needed to sort of be looking at what else was going on outside of my office and, you know, how that affects me when I show up. And so that really gives me something to think about as I sort of like look and go back and, you know, comb over my own marketing messaging and stuff. Um, So. Why? Well, I think I already I, I don't know why I'm asking this question. Because I <laughs> want to know your answer. Big but do not in any way take it as me saying, why do you do this? But why teach sales? Why why do we have to teach people how to sell?
0: Mm. Why teach them how to sell? Well. I mean, it's the same as teaching you to ride a bike. It's a skill. It's something that you actually can learn. You're not born with it. You weren't born learning how to ride a bike. You're not born learning how to sell. It's a misconception. I did not walk out of the womb knowing how to sell, you know, pens to doctors that are writing prescriptions based on the drug that I'm trying to sell them. Um, It is a skill that is lifelong And it's also the lifeblood of every business. It's the foundational work that we, as people who own businesses, and by the way, you as an advisor, you own a business, whether you like to think about that or not, you are a business owner. And so, you know, a lot of the time I I start there in the work of what does it look like for you to actually be the leader in your business? But sales is a skill. And when you start to master that skill, you can sell anything. You can sell you know, um, pretty much anything to everyone. I mean, you're selling all day, whether you believe so or not. You're selling your kids into, at least in my case, getting them to go to bed on time at yes. three years of age. <laughs> um you're selling them into what to eat most nights you're selling your husband into believing that he's the one creating your date night weekends um because That's just... <laughs> that was a funny one. I like so, that. So, you know, if you can master this skill, it is a lifelong opportunity for you not only to make more money, but for you to fully feel confident in what you're doing in your business.
1: Okay. So if I'm hiring you two things, what am I going to learn besides how to sell? I mean, I guess that's the answer maybe that's not a good question, (laughs) but like, what does your engagement usually look like when you work with someone new?
0: I think it really depends on the actual client. So when someone steps into this container with me, sometimes they're really just stuck in that emotional rut. And so we get them unstuck first, right? Because that emotional piece is definitely showing up in their conversion rates, showing up even clients start leaving them or, you know, going over to work with other advisors. So we, we start there. Um, And then when it comes to the actual sales piece, It's really understanding what are you doing right now on sales calls? How are you showing up? What are the questions that you're asking? And how can we start to almost improvise and play a little bit? Because most of the time their processes are so straightforward and robotic. How can we bring in more of that, for lack of a better word, feminine essence? What I like to call electric masculinity. Ooh, so, yeah. you know, you're allowed to have fire, you're allowed to, to bring that masculine energy from a numbers perspective, from a logic perspective, but that magnetic feminism is really what's going to land the sale because of that emotional connection. So if you step uh-huh. into my world, go ahead no it just makes me
1: think of that question that we ask um sometimes like when we do customer surveys for some of our advisor clients like what made you choose the advisor over another advisor and a lot of times it not has nothing to do with the technical stuff they do no. it's all about how that advisor made them feel or um, something that they had in common one of those pieces that, Really had nothing to do exactly with the service.
0: Yeah, exactly. I have a a girlfriend of mine whose mother worked at Fidelity for 40 years. And on the day of her retirement, everybody wrote down something memorable about Kathy. And not once was you made me a million dollars. You helped me buy my yacht. You, you know, got all of my kids. Um, their inheritance, none of that shit was written down. It was more of you sent me the, you know, flowers on the anniversary of my dog's death, or, you know, you showed up at my kid's baseball game and that meant a lot to me. It was more about, again, that feeling, that emotional connection. And that is something as, you know, I like to say it's a human to human connection, but if you, you're lacking that, um, you're going to wind up feeling as if you need to rely on the numbers and rely on that logic because no one's ever gave you permission to feel.
1: Okay. Yes. The permission is back again. Yeah, And it's interesting to me also because um, we're very big on like personalizing advisor marketing putting the faces, the people in the firm, you know, in the social media posts or making short videos or even around Robin blog posts with like input on a certain like topic that we're collecting information on. And um, I was meeting with one of my new clients yesterday and they're actually not a financial advisor. They're outsourced chief investment officers. So they are super technical people. They are all about charts and graphs and numbers and all of those things that sounds like you don't like just as much as I don't like. Um, but he was like, I was like, oh, so how are you, you know, getting any feedback? And he's like, oh yeah, people love it, especially the personal stuff. I'm like, I told you then they're always going to like that stuff better. (laughs) I'm like, so, you know, I get, I get advisors a lot and I'm like, well, nobody's like responding to my, my, you know, nobody's engaging with the posts that I'm putting up. And I'm like, that's because they're boring and they have nothing to do with you. Or exactly. or they're boring and they have nothing to do with the the target audience's problems. Um, you're just throwing out a bunch of random information that can probably be Googled. But guess what? You're probably not famous, so they, they can Google you. I mean, let's show them what you're about. And they are always so tickled because they're like, oh, they love that. You know,
0: our clients and our prospects love that stuff. And I'm like,
1: I told you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it has nothing to do. I mean, yes, it does at the at the end of the day. Can you help them get yeah. to their goals financially? Um, can you help them retire at the age that they want to retire at? Can you sell them into an annuity that feels like this is it? I'm really happy with with what we did here. But at the end of the day, every person wants to feel seen, heard, and validated. And If you're not doing that in your marketing, that's a problem. If you're not doing that on a sales call, that's also a problem. And so, you know, it starts with you because it's always you versus you. So if you're missing the mark on yourself and you're not seeing the benefit of what you bring to the table, people are going to see that, feel that, not resonate with you and go to the guy next door you know, and that guy next door, he might be working at Edward Jones, but he makes them feel a certain type of way. And you're running your own RIA and they don't feel you. And so, you know, that's where the marketing piece comes in. That's where the sales piece comes in. They work hand in hand. Um, But again, I'll, I'll say this, and this is the hill that I'll die on. Sales is the foundation. You know, you can write all day, you can be personalized in your marketing, but if you don't have that process, chances are you'll make a little bit of money, but not the money that you want to be making.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's interesting that you say that, that that's the foundation, because I think a lot of people see it as the end, right? Like, okay, I'm going to do all of this stuff and I'm going to get all of these prospects. And then, oh my gosh, look, I have this many calls scheduled for this week. And then the sale comes, but it's like, you did all of this hard work or you paid someone to do all of this hard work. Why not put the nail in the coffin in a good way, whatever the good version of that saying is, and you know, have an ironclad, sales process that feels right to you that you can feel confident bringing to the call to actually close the prospects that you worked so hard to get or networked to get or paid to get from somebody else to do for you. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think it's interesting because a lot of people, I think, see it as like the last step, but you're saying, no, this is the foundation of everything that you're going to be doing. Yes, And I... I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I mean, I'm buying it. But I also personally, like I said, I don't, I've never had like a sales process proper. It was actually something that I reached out to one of the entrepreneur groups that I'm in earlier this year. And I was like, hey guys, anyone like recommend some books on selling stuff? Because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I just talked to people and it worked really well in the beginning. But, um, I don't know, somewhere along the way, you know, things changed. It could be me, like you said, things in my life. Um, Or it could just be that I finally got to a place where I'm seeing that that foundation needs to be put in place in order to sort of have everything come full circle. Mm -hmm. Speaking of coming full circle, I didn't come full circle on that thought before. But I think a lot of times advisors don't give themselves permission in their sales process or their marketing, because like you said, they've been told uh, that it, you know, this is not about you, um, things like that. So they're so afraid of talking about themselves or being too casual, not professional enough, all of these things. But that's that magnetism, that human to human connection um, that they end up missing. And I think they can just, at least there's a solution for them to someone like you who can help train them to, like you said, the sales will, can enhance all the areas of their lives, husbands, children, <laughs>
0: business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll tell you about a client of mine, the one that you mentioned earlier, that went from 20 K to hundred K. So I'll, um. Keep names under wraps, but she was working for her dad, and she wasn't happy, and she was stuck at these twenty k months, and you know he was the one that was vetting the clients and then passing them over to her. This whole <clears throat> shit show ordeal of like, you know, I'll vet them and then we'll go from here. Oh. So she hired me to kind of get out under that rug of control. And so we started with the emotional piece of, you know, what's really going on here? What do you believe is true? Um, and are you willing to stay hostage in in this environment? And she said, you know, my dream is to start my own RIA. Great. Within six months, she had filed for, um, you know, leaving him and deciding to start this business because we laid the foundation of not only her sales process, but really getting into that space of confidence and trusting that she would be able to leave, um, not knowing where the money was going to come from, not knowing if it was going to work out, but fully invested in herself that she could fully do this without having these strings attached. And so fast forward to, that was last year. Fast forward to this year, she has eight advisors under her. She's running wow. her RAA. She has uh, a wing of her business as media, so she's got a full marketing team, stages that she steps on, full paid. You know, stages does events, writes books, bestsellers, and also runs a full advisory practice. And wow. it just so happens that within that leaving and starting the business and having these advisors under her, now they're hitting 100K months in yeah. revenue. And That's awesome. it's huge. You know, she gave herself permission to follow exactly what was on her heart and it worked. And now she you know, graduated from kind of clients that weren't stepping fully into making a decision to work with her. To multi-million-dollar cases, um, from divorce to inheritances, to you know, people just kind of waving their dollars at her, saying, "Please <laughs> take this and work with you," because she fully stepped into the belief that she could do it, and she had the sales process to back it up. Oh, I
1: love this! Can we get one more client success story before we go? <laughs> because I am just enthralled. <laughs>
0: Sure. I mean, I'll tell you about the one that I'm working with now. Um, She has four people on her team. And the week that we started, she wound up signing three clients. So she made her money back in the investment um, because she committed to doing this with me. And, you know, we're three or four weeks in now. And she got told that by the end of next year, She'll be at a million dollar business, um, wow. you know, revenue in, in her pocket. And I hope to help her get there as far as, you know, getting the right clients under her belt. She does Medicare. Um, she's also working, you know, in the sandwich generation, if you're familiar with that. Yes. And she's got these people on her team who now are also stepping up in production. So it's fun. I get to work with her and I also get to work with the team. And so behind the scenes, I'm helping the team emotionally. Where are the yeah. gaps? Where are we not, you know, aligning with one another when it comes to not only selling, but the relationship within the team? So a lot of these women that graduated from just what they what they tell me is just any advisor to now building their teams, having success in their own revenue let's say they're making half a million dollars in their own pocket how can we share that wealth with a team and what i love to do is yes build teams with them but also keep the team that they built together uh, so yeah. really crafting that emotional connection building the sales process if there is not one from the ground up and you know the bits and pieces around each personality how how do we each fit into our strengths I don't look at weaknesses like you do in a job interview, but I want to be able to help you build off of the strengths because I think that will help capitalize on the so-called weaknesses that you have. Um, So, you know, after she got told, hey, your business is headed to a million, one of the things that she said to me, Olivia, was, is this a fluke? So we're working through that right now. You know, is it a fluke? Is it what I'm she doesn't doing? Want
1: to, she's like not giving herself permission to take exactly. account, like to say, I did this. I built this. I, you know. Yeah.
0: So we're working through that right now. And, you know, the last point I'll say about this is um, if you find yourself in a place of avoidance, it's, it's an addiction almost. Avoidance oh, wow. is an addiction. And so if you're avoiding the sale, if you're avoiding marketing about yourself, if you're avoiding, you know, bringing up in conversation that you can help somebody that can become very addictive and it's, it slips into this advisory role in two ways. You either become one of the guys as a woman and you take on that, like, well, I'm just going to do it the bro way because it's working, but it really is not going to work because you're a woman yeah. or you become that wallflower and you're behind the scenes. And so you're avoiding clients, you're avoiding money, you're avoiding sales. Um, and this will show up and then it shows up in the other areas of your life. And so avoidance can become that, that addiction, which I'm very familiar with having, you know, been an addict um, myself and having continued to work through that avoidance till this day, because it does show up in our life. It shows up very strongly. And so, you know, if you're listening to this as an advisor, one of the things I would ask you to ask yourself is, am I avoiding my sales process? Am I avoiding my marketing? Am I avoiding in other areas of my life? Whether it's my emotional being or am I so used to doing, doing, doing and, you know, filling everyone else's cup and avoiding myself. Like what? where are the areas in my life that I am pretending to uh, feel safe, but really it's it's really avoidance.
1: Right. And I, I just saw a post about this this morning about um the same idea, like just keeping yourself busy so you don't have to sit with your own problems is not a solution to the problem. Like you said, people become addicted to it because it's more comfortable than facing the discomfort of having to make change. Um, But with anything, listeners, (laughs) uh, if any of this should terrify you, it should be that all of the areas of your life are going to be interdependent and they're going to affect one another. So like Brittany was saying, um, if there are other things, if there's other areas of avoidance, then you know they're gonna possibly be spilling into uh, your business. And so maybe it's not necessarily one thing like, oh, well, I'm not doing this one thing in my business. It could be like these, I wanna say like silent killers that are actually other parts of your life um holding you back in business and sales.
0: Yeah. Right now, your this,
1: pardon? And it's your coaching. health.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I I actually just went through some of this personally. Um I had been avoiding some very difficult conversations for years. Um and I started to have health issues and it was quite literally the fact that i was just trying to stomach too much emotional baggage my body just was saying no you know this is the end of the line you have got to step in and deal with this and through a lot of introspection it, i was i uncovered that that was going to be the only way through it my health was only going to improve if i worked on these other areas of my life that were not specifically physically related it wasn't food I eat very clean. wasn't supplementation. wasn't anything. You know, the only thing that we could conclude was that it was the the mental and the phys- uh, spiritual that were really taking a toll on my physical health. And you guys all know how I feel about physical health. So there's a big there's a big theme for us here. But, um, Brittany, I know I am for one, am super excited. I know that you have a mastermind coming up, um, August 22nd. Can you tell us a little bit about that for anyone who wants to listen and then also where our listeners can find you?
0: Sure. The mastermind is called sell your way. So it's really about giving yourself permission to sell in your own language, in your own way of doing things within your business. It's a three month program. And it's designed to help you double your conversion rates and hopefully double your income. And it is kicking off, like Olivia said, in a couple of weeks, on August 22nd. Every month, you're meeting three times a month. You're meeting with me as well, one-to-one. I'm bringing in guests like marketing, um, a financial coach, a somatic healer. So we're touching all of the components for you as I would with a one-to-one client. Um, And yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm super looking forward to it. We have quite a few ladies in there now um, already getting started with the work, which is beautiful. And so we're working through your emotions. We're working on your sales process. We're working on who your ideal client is how to talk to them. Um, we'll touch on marketing a little bit, but really focused in on that sales component and that sales process to really help you nail down exactly what to say when you get on a call. And then where to find me? You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I have fire signs around my name on LinkedIn. It's Brittany Young. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. Um, Brittany spelled B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y young which is very easy to spell um and yeah if you are desiring to book a call with me i'll send olivia the link to do that especially to get your hands on the information within the mastermind or if you're looking for that one-to-one tailored specific to you and your business we can do that too
1: yes i For one, cannot wait to go check out more information on this mastermind. I mean, not going to lie, you might see me in there because this (laughs) sounds like fire, just like the fire sign emojis around your name, Um, (laughs) which I I really love. So don't take them down. (laughs) But Brittany, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this with us. I think that there, I know that there are going to be plenty of people out there listening who deep down know that they're missing this foundational piece um, of their financial advising business, salespeople. Um, So I'm honored to have had you. Thank you for coming and let's keep in touch.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Get Advisor Fit with Olivia Looper. To learn more about Olivia and how her firm, Lexicon Content Development, can help you visit lexiconcontentdevelopment.com. If you want to reach out to Olivia on LinkedIn, you can find her at Olivia Looper Lexicon. And if you'd like to follow Olivia on Instagram, you can find her at Lexicon Content Development. So next time.